Hey y'all, welcome back to She's My Person. Ellen and I are here with Erin Ehrenberg. She is a mom of three, attorney, serial business builder, fund advisor, and most importantly, the founder and CEO of Totem, a community-powered platform to help women feel supported in motherhood. Totem, which means whole in Latin, is born of Erin's experience as a new mother who craved more information and resources for her as a whole woman, not just a mother. Totem provides products like a mother's support lactation cookie featured in Goop, an insider guide to postpartum wellness, a nursing accessible cost supporting tea that became an instant favorite of women like Kate Hudson and Mina Harris, and community events like the monthly Totem Talk series that brings experts into the homes of women looking for help, connection, and a place to grow. This year, Erin will take Totem to the workplace to help advocate for working parents. Erin, I am so happy. We are both so happy to have you here. I'm happy to be here. It's so supportive. So if you just want to dive a little bit deeper, just tell our audience a little bit more about you. We would love that. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me. Yeah. I mean, it really, I guess I'll start with the word whole because when I was starting Totem and really workshopping what to call the brand, I was trying to communicate this idea that as a woman, you go through most of your life. I mean, these days it's about three decades where being whole means just you're just this whole woman living in an independent body that functions pretty much just for you. And then you become a mother and that transition is massive. And there's actually a term that's been coined that's matrescence and it's a takeoff on the word adolescence to just signify the massive transition that we have between maiden and mother. And, you know, when I started, when I had our first baby in 2012, that term wasn't even a term. It was actually coined by a psychologist just a few years ago in a TED talk that she did. So, you know, I I was just experiencing that I love being a mother and I had been, you know, a happy independent person before that. And I wanted a way to talk about the importance of assimilating the two. So everything I knew of myself before becoming a mother and everything that I welcomed in once I became a mother, I wanted to assimilate those things. And I just kept landing on, I want to feel whole. I want to help modern mothers feel whole. And I had experienced a massive revolution in my mind, in my body, in my relationships, you know, from everything from with my partner, with my husband, to my friendships, my relationship to my mom and my sister, and also in my ambition. Just I have always been a really driven woman and very career minded. And I wasn't the kind of little girl that was, you know, that played with dolls and I didn't babysit when I was younger. And then I became a mother at 34 and I loved being a mother to the point that I couldn't imagine going back into the office. And I had a huge job at the time. I was the head of business development and business affairs at a company called Indiegogo. And it was a a tech company. And we went from just five of us. It was the founders and then myself and another person. And we grew to 120 people and got our series B funding and The CEO was calling me all the time when I was out on maternity leave about every new hire and like my vision for the future. And I just wanted nothing to do with it. And I felt like that made me a bad feminist. I I couldn't figure out how to take all these things that I knew of myself before 
and put them together with what I was learning about myself. And I, in fact, really liked all these things that I was welcoming in. I was more patient. I moved through the day more slowly and more intentionally. I knew that I was doing everything in the world that I needed to be doing by just sitting down and holding my baby and breastfeeding him and just, you know, providing myself with nutrition. And I didn't want to jump back on that hamster wheel. And so I was going through all of this. I also, you know, we can maybe talk about it if you guys want or not, but I went through a massive adjustment in terms of my body healing postpartum, which no one had talked to me about. I took a birthing class. So there was a lot of emphasis on how to birth and, you know, what is labor and what is delivery and how does that all work? But then no one was talking about what happens when you get home. And I always say at Totem that there's all this emphasis on like what to pack in the hospital bag. And you see all these influencers and bloggers like putting together their hospital bag. And the thing is like, you could just show up at the hospital and then take everything they provide for you because they're pretty well stocked, but you get home and you have nothing for yourself. And there are a lot of manuals for childcare, but there's really nothing for you as a woman. And it, you know, one proof point of that is that you're, by the end of your pregnancy, you're going and seeing the doctor at least once a week. And then you have this baby and it's the biggest athletic event that you've gone through, going through labor and delivery, the biggest revolution in terms of your hormones. You've welcomed a new person into the world through your body. And your doctor's like, okay, see you in six weeks so I can tell you if you can have sex or not yet. I mean, it's a joke. So there was just so little support for such a massive revolution. And whenever I'm stunned by a problem of that magnitude, I think to myself, well, if I am feeling this way, there've got to be other women who are feeling this way. And the fact that this is bringing up so much kind of like a fear and shame and what do I do now? I don't want other women to experience that. So what can I create to help even just like, if it's just a handful of women go through this feeling more supported, I'm all in. And so I discovered that the word totem, T-O-T-U-M, so not like the totem pole, it's a Latin word that means whole. And I just really loved the word and it gave me that sense of completion that I was looking to achieve with the brand. Yeah, I... I love everything that you just said. Huh. And, you know, when, when you said the word totem and, and I realized it was a Latin word for whole, I, I started thinking, I was like, it's very interesting to think about the difference between having a baby and obviously that, that first moment that you look at your baby and you brought life into the world. Like that's when you probably feel the most whole you've ever felt. Mm-hmm. And then you, you're with your, your child and you walk out of the hospital and you get home and it's almost like, that feeling becomes kind of scary if you're not prepared, like you're saying. So I think the mission behind everything you're doing is, is really important. And I think it is underlooked because people don't think about when they get home, they're not thinking about themselves. They're more so thinking, how can I be the best mother or parent figure for my child? So yeah. I really love that. You jump right into this giving rather than receiving and you know, in fact, there are a lot of women who feel shattered in that first moment when they look at their baby. They feel even people who don't experience postpartum, you know, depression or postpartum anxiety, labor and delivery is really intense. And I had three unmedicated labors and, you know, I was super prepared for labor and delivery. 
but I was still absolutely exhausted. And our body goes through things that people don't tell you. I mean, you bleed for around six weeks after you have a baby and, you know, and your breasts are adjusting and you're just, you're really like pulsing with a hormone dump that comes out of you. You know, your placenta is this brand new organ that you create inside your body when you have a baby and you give birth to the baby and then you give birth to the placenta and it's a massive hormone dump. And a lot of women, you know, like myself really kind of, you shake, you almost like convulse after you birth your placenta. And so it's this really interesting mixture of, yes, you do feel so whole in the sense that you're just in awe. You're thinking, you know, you're, you're falling in love with your baby. You're in awe, but you're also, you know, physically kind of shattered in that moment. And I think for women who experience postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or postpartum psychosis, they maybe are not bonding at all in that moment. And so they're going into a spiral of what's wrong with me. So in fact, women are not feeling as whole as you know the movies would have us believe and as literature might have us believe in that moment. And I think it's something that we need to normalize. I actually watched a movie last night and it was, I don't really recommend it to everybody. It was really intense, but it was called Pieces of a Woman, of a Woman, which part of the reason I watched it was that it's the opposite of totem, right? It's pieces of a woman instead of a whole woman. And it's about a woman who gives birth and her child dies in while well, she's giving birth. And it's about this woman's experience trying to put herself back together. And, you know, the even just the labor experience that they show was more honest than anything that we're used to seeing, just how kind of animalistic it is. And I don't know, I, I just think it's important to normalize what actually happens when you go through labor and when you have your baby and then when you're feeding your baby and taking care of them, because it's actually incredibly heroic what women go through. And the fact that it's a moment in time that is given almost no ink, almost no playtime in the movies and in, in TV shows. It's, it's really sad. And I think it's funny, Mr. Rogers actually had a quote, what gets mentioned gets managed. And I've always thought that new motherhood is unmentionable. People really do not talk about what's going on with the woman. And I think that's why it's often not well managed. So I want to be a part of a conversation and a part of a group of women who really talks about what it's like. Yeah, I think that's incredibly powerful. And I also feel as though there's the support side because when society fails to educate us in a proper way, I feel like it also sets us up for failure in terms yes. of being able to support our friends, our family through transitions Absolutely. like that, you know, because it's like we, Absolutely. the focus tends so much. And I know like, honestly, prior to your platform and learning what I've learned, which I'm actually so grateful to have it before I bring children into the world. It's incredibly educational, mm -hmm. but there's also like the element of understanding, like I've had multiple friends that have had babies this year and thinking more of like, how can I support them? Because yes, the mm -hmm. child is beautiful and it's a miracle and we all can't wait to hold them. But I also feel like that's been a big toll that I've learned from you is like, even just the friendship, even if it's not you going through the transition, that because that educational yep. toll lacks so deeply in our society, it's hard to remember that the mother is in really deep need of support. And I also think yes. that I'm sure you can even speak to it from like a spouse or partner standpoint as well, because they didn't go through that exact same yep. experience, you know? And yep. so if you maybe wanted to talk about that a little bit, just how, how you needed support, just like some advice too. 
Yeah, no, I love that. And you're so sensitive to be thinking about that with your friends. I mean, a great way to think about it is just hold the mother. You know, don't focus so much on holding the baby. There'll be plenty of time to hold the baby. Everybody wants to hold the baby, but who holds the mother? And so some ways to hold the mother are doing things like, you know, she doesn't necessarily need visitors in the beginning. That's really stressful. A woman, you know, your body, you feel like you're kind of falling apart. Like you're, I mean, I'll just be honest with you ladies. Like you feel like your vagina, like fell through the floor, your whole reproductive system. You're like, what is happening? I actually made my mom like, go look at it. I was like, will you just go look and like, tell me that it's okay? Because I think it's like two flapping wings. And she was like, Aaron, it's beautiful. That's what she said, which is really sweet. She was like, it's beautiful. You just have like a massive bruise where the baby's head was like pushing and pushing and pushing on your perineum. And you know, you, you feel, it feels wild what you just went through and you're leaking breast milk, whether you're breastfeeding or not, you know, even like shutting that down in the beginning is dramatic. And so when people want to come over and hold your baby, it's stressful. You feel like you have to show up a certain way when really a new mother should be in her robe. She should be relaxing. She should be focusing on holding the baby, getting to know the baby's rhythms, being really well hydrated, eating foods that boost her blood back up things of that nature. And that's why in a lot of cultures, they have a cocooning period. They call actually the confinement where women stay inside and in bed for 40 days. So you might've heard of like the first 40 days, but it's a sacred time. And a lot of cultures, Mexican culture, Chinese culture, and there's a lot written about it. And it's really, really lovely where elders are supposed to be just feeding the mother. She's to stay in bed and wear a robe and she's just there bonding with the baby. And we do the opposite. And so some things you can do to sort of moder- modernize that idea of holding the mother are, you know, door dash her some food. Just say, hey, I'm going to door dash you food. What are you in the mood for? Do you have any dietary restrictions? It'll be there at 6.15. You know, she doesn't necessarily need to entertain you right now. She needs like food to show up and make sure it's enough for the, the sibling if she already has another baby and for her partner. And then if you do go over, if she's, you know, a little further out from just having had the baby. And by the way, the mom is going to tell you she's fine. She's going to say, oh yeah, of course you can come over like nine out of 10 times, because that's what we do as women. We say that everything's fine, whether it is or not. And so just take a moment and respect the fact that like, that's actually not what she needs. She might need to on text vent to you. So definitely ask her like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And you can even make it light. Like, how's your body? How are your emotions? How are your feelings? Like, tell me everything. Just give her a place to open up, but then just drop her some food, you know, and don't even necessarily go in. And then once she's a little bit further out and it's more appropriate to take visitors, and this is of course in like a post-COVID world, you know, say if you want to hold a baby, even the way to do it is say, why don't you go take a shower or like take a 30 minute nap and I'll hold the baby or just go like, what's something that you've been wanting to do? And you're just, your hands are full with the baby. You go do that. I'll hold the baby. Or maybe you switch out the laundry for her. Maybe you make her a meal, you know, things of that nature. I I have a friend who's a lot younger than me. And one of her best friends had a baby. And I noticed she spent like two hours at that woman's house. And I was just like, what are you doing? Because a new mom is not going to kick you out, but it's, it's just, if there's any time for boundaries, wow. Brand new motherhood is the time for that. So powerful. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think too, like, <laughs> the, and, th- and that's just like, it's, it's more of like a, adapting your own, like taking the selfish piece out of it from a spread, Yeah. Right? You know? And I think it's like, it's very powerful to look at it that way. And I think so many of us like 
just aren't educated around it either. You know, it's like, because unless, you know, I always say we can't understand what we've never experienced. And so I yep. think like the fact that you're starting to put tools and education and stuff like that out there into the world. It's so important because it's like, unless we understand or at least have had it broken down for us, it's like hard to know how to show up in experiences that we've never personally. Really uh, hard had. to know. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm curious, like for what it looks like from like the partner and style yeah. standpoint as well. Mm-hmm. And just like that mm-hmm. transition. I know like obviously physical intimacy takes a complete 180, just all of that stuff, like how yeah. you, just maybe how you navigated that or any advice yeah. you have in that, that side of things. It's hard. It's, it's really hard. And I think it's different for every couple and you know, you'll find a lot of moms first, they're afraid to talk about how hard it is. And then if they feel really close, they might get into a pattern of kind of just ragging on their partner. But it's interesting. I had a dad on Instagram live about, I don't know, four months ago. He's this really cool man who started this movement for changing tables to be in public men's restrooms. Because if you notice, like changing tables are not in men's restrooms. They're only in women's restrooms. And he started this whole movement. Yeah, it's crazy. He started a movement called Squat for Change because he would always just like squat down in the bathroom and use his quads as the changing table. And he was like, this is insane. So I had him on for a live and he was like, you know, Aaron, you know, he's, he's the best. He's like super supportive of women and mothers. And so he, he just said, what you guys don't realize when you're frustrated and you start to build that resentment up is that we, we want to help and no one is telling us how, like from the time you're in the hospital and you have the baby lactation consultants come in and they direct everything they're saying at the mother, you know, any kind of support that comes in, even if you're you know, you're well off and you have a postpartum doula, which in my dream world, every mother would have a postpartum doula. I actually think a postpartum doula is more important than even a birthing doula, just somebody to come in and feed you the food that you need and look after you right after you have the baby and like talk to you about how to get the baby in healthy sleep patterns so you can sleep. All of this is directed just at the mom. And he said, I just didn't know how to help. I didn't know that what I should be doing as a dad is like setting up a little station next to my nursing wife and making sure she had enough water and making sure she had a good pillow so it wasn't hurting her back and neck when she fed, checking in on her with what to eat. I didn't know what to feed her. And so it really opened up, you know, so much compassion for me for the dads who it's not that they want to be jerks. They, to your point, Jenna, have not experienced this. So how can they know? And they're looking at their wife and they're feeling a lot of compassion. They're feeling a lot of awe. And I think sometimes they feel kind of small and they don't, they don't know how to help. And also hormonally, they're not having the same things take place. They're not having that hormone shift. They're, not, they're certainly not nursing. And so they don't have the attunement and the attachment that comes with nursing. And then even if you don't nurse, a lot of women are holding the baby close to their body. And there's a lot of communication between mother and baby just by having that baby close. And so when the dad is not a part of that, they can be alienated, which leads to resentment from the mother the mother feeling like, Hey, I'm so unacknowledged here. I don't feel attractive. I don't feel good. I'm exhausted. You have no idea what I just went through and you're not helping me. And then it just becomes a cycle. And it's, it's funny. I actually feel like, you know, it's like three kids in there are some, some pieces of new motherhood, new postpartum that I've just kind of healed with, with my partner, where I've said like, you know, I just felt really unacknowledged. And I felt, you know, when you would take a nap or like you wouldn't wake up in the middle of the night ever, and this was all on me, 
I think I'm just like still kind of pissed about it. And so I think it's important for us to communicate what we need. This is a huge theme of just not playing into this martyrdom, like the mother is martyr. It does not have to be that way. Just really owning what we need, being able to ask for it and not feeling like that makes us a bad mother. It actually makes us a great mother if we're able to say, this is what I need in this specific way. Can you help? And let me tell you, that is just as important when you have an eight-year-old as it is when you have a brand new baby. Like I've had to learn how to say, hey, I, I need to teach you how to fold laundry because I don't want to be the one doing the laundry, you know, and we need to divide up the tasks and figure out who's going to do what in the sort of invisible load of housework and child care. Because I think our society, we even use the verb mothering. We say like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm mothering or it's like this load of mothering. It's like, hold on a second. No, that's caregiving. And, you know, culturally, I think we need to arrive at a place where we value caregiving. We really don't value it right now. And one of my favorite authors, she wrote a book called Fair Play, and it's all about really arriving at gender equity by starting at home. She says that success will be when we value an hour spent holding your child's hand in the pediatrician's office the same way we value an hour spent in the boardroom. So if we can start by asking for what we need and not feeling like caregiving is quote unquote just for mothers or just for women, we can start to put that value into action because that's where we really need to arrive, that caregiving is, is more of a value in our society than it is right now. Yeah. And I, and I think that's really important too, to talk to your partner and be able to attack it as kind of a team yeah. rather than, I think sometimes, you know, because the mother births the child and, you know, there's so many things leading up to it that, that the mother has to prepare for mm -hmm. the baby to arrive. Sometimes I think the other partner is not necessarily left out, but they might not fully understand. And then yeah. that's where everything just falls into the mother's hands because they're like, well, yep. she knows, and this is kind of yep. a rally, and I don't want to step on her toes. You know, I think yep. like that guy that you had earlier mentioned, I think it is important that they know what will help the mother because I think most yeah. of the time partners want to help. It's just a matter of feeling like they can and their help would be wanted. <laughs> well, I also think there's, there's an important piece of that always too. And I feel like it's a part of a relationship that we don't necessarily nurture until we need to. And so it's like, I think a lot of it comes up when there's children because the stakes are higher and like all of that has to come into play. And, you know, the partner that I am with now, like he's older. And so like the emotional intelligence is just at a level that I've never experienced, you know, but like even the hormones that you experience monthly with your cycle, which I'm currently yeah. in that this week. So it's fresh on my heart, you know, but it's like <laughs> when I'm having like an emotional day or an emotional moment, or like I'm making something out of nothing that probably makes no sense to him. Like he's gotten really good at just being like, what do you need from me? You know? And so like, yeah, I think yeah. there's also like power in nurturing that, whether you're like having children yet or not, I think it's something we forget about. Just like, we have to ask for what we need because they can't know. And it took me a really yeah. long time to like even trust that in somebody because I'm like, you know, well, they're not going to want to do that or they're going to think I'm ridiculous for feeling this way or whatever. But it's like, you know, if, if I'm feeling insecure and I need extra words of affirmation or whatever, like he's not magically going to know that unless I express it. Because a lot of stuff that we feel physically too is so much of like what we're experiencing that's probably not visible to them. Mm. So I just felt like that was a good point of maybe learning how to nurture it a little bit prior to those experiences that you go through. No, it's so, that's such a good point, Jenna. And you know, I am really encouraged by the fact that there's more literature and education 
around our cycles. You know, there's a book called In the Flow that I think is, you know, really interesting when she talks about, you know, based on where you are in your monthly cycle, how you should be working, what you sh- how you should be moving, all of that. Because I think, look, I mean, until very recently, we were all buying into these kind of misogynistic ideas that like, you know, a woman's just crazy when she's on her period and like, oh, you're just acting crazy. And there's, there's value in all of that. And there is something sacred about the fact that we have cycles and it's all related to the fact that we are life givers. And so I think just being able to communicate about it, first of all, having education yourself. Like we put a post on Instagram the other day about kind of the pooch that women have in their belly and how it comes on when you're in your teens. And it's really about protecting your uterus. And it's this wonderful, lovely thing that is going to hold what becomes the biggest muscle in our body when we have, when we're, when we're pregnant and we look at it and we hate it. We, we see this and we're like, oh, this needs to go away. And I need this to be flat. And it's, it, a lot of it has to do with we're not educated, which has to do with, again, this idea of these pieces of women that are unmentionable. And we've started to believe that that's, that there, there's something shameful there. When in fact, the truth is that it's beautiful, remarkable, miraculous. And I think the more education we seek out, and then to your point, Jenna, I mean, that's like so woke that you're able to like have that conversation with your boyfriend about like, well, this is just where I am. This is how I'm feeling. And like, you need to get on board. That's huge. I mean, I was certainly not doing that when I was in my twenties. I was still buying into this whole idea of like, I don't want to be a crazy girl. And I don't, you know, I need to be showing that I'm so selfless because it makes me seem like I'll be such a good mother. Like all these things we buy into, that's a lot of garbage. I think we're really waking up and realizing there's no power in that nonsense. Yep. I completely agree. And another thing I was thinking about just when you were talking previously about how you were in this position and your job and you had so much going on at that time. But then once you went through childbirth, you realized that being a mother is really what you wanted. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was thinking about it. And there's, there's so many different, I think, ways to relate people that are in the working realm and they're also mother or parent. And I think it's really important. And I think you had mentioned also that you're going to start speaking with employers or different companies on how to kind of help mothers transitioning into the work realm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my reason for that is twofold. Number one, I come from a corporate background, you know, I've worked as a lawyer in a law firm, I've run a nonprofit, worked in tech, worked in entertainment, and and I get what's going on with the leaders of these companies. I know how much pressure that they're under, you know, women, man, mother, not mother, not parent. They're all under a lot of pressure to meet fiscal imperatives. At the same time, their employees are at some point going to become parents and have a lot of pressures and stresses around what's going on with caregiving at home and what's going on in the household. And traditionally, that's fallen into the lap of the woman. And you look at what's going on during this pandemic where, you know, it's like four women for every one man have been pushed out of the labor force because they just simply have to be at home and helping with virtual school. And I've been looking at this and looking at how, like, what impact can I make that actually scales? And I think 
part of it, it really has to do with the workforce. So being able to go in and really listen and understand the needs of what's going on with the leadership teams, like what are their fiscal imperatives, what are their performance and cultural imperatives, and then how are the working parents doing? Like how are they functioning? How are they feeling? Are they feeling burnout and uninspired, especially now where everybody's working from home and feeling you know, you're, you're interrupted all the time when you're a working parent right now. And so I just really want to be helpful. I want to leverage the experience I have. And there's a feminist writer from the seventies named Betty Friedan, who wrote the feminine mystique, which is like one of the seminal like feminist works. And I was listening to the revised version that she put out in the nineties before she passed away. And she talked about the workplace being the next frontier and how women would never arrive at gender parity until the workforce was respecting the fact that parents of both genders needed to cut off the workday at a certain point and go pick their kids up from school. I mean, it's just a reality. Unless you have you know, a nanny or staff or somebody else that's doing these things for you, which is not most of the world, the, one of, the parents got to leave. And so when that is defaulted into the woman, we're never going to arrive at gender parity. We're going to have a harder time making the same money that men do. And look, I think, you know, for me, I wanted to exit the workforce for a while and I wanted to take a real pause. I think I would have been really well served to take a full year with our first baby and just really navigate breastfeeding and getting him to sleep through the night and feeling whole, feeling like myself again. But you know, our culture, especially in the US, isn't set up for that. We have 12 weeks off, which is kind of a joke, and you're really not feeling like yourself, and you go back into it. So I think, you know, our government has some serious changes to make, but I can't really affect that change personally at this point in my life, but I can do something in the workplace to have a more sweeping impact. So that's what I'm excited about. I, yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think, you know, it's just a very powerful point that so much of what we have working against us when it comes to gender equality and just equality in general is going to mm-hmm. require change from the top down. A hundred percent. And just to like, I guess to wrap up our conversation tonight, I literally could talk to you all night because I'm just like so interested <laughs> in this, but um, you guys I, just, I would love for you to share just the very first thing that comes to your heart that you wish you would have heard when you were like at the deepest point of learning to accept like your new body and your new life and just like this new way of being like if there's like the very first thing that comes to your heart that maybe you would have wished somebody could have said to you at that time I would love if you would share that you are not alone in this every other mom feels a version of this this is not make you weird there is no shame in this and the best thing you can do is speak up about it Amazing. <laughs> well, we are going to we are going to link your Instagram bio, all of that stuff in the show notes. But if there's anything, I know you launched like a new sweatshirt today. So do you want to give a little shout out for that? Too? Yeah, we launched it. It's really cute. And it's like, you mom or not, it just says Mama Mia. And it's like, my goodness, what a year. It could be Mama Mia. It's just all too much. It could be Mama Mia because you're a mom and you think it's fun. It was inspired by a sweatshirt. We were looking through old photos and I saw a sweatshirt on my mother-in-law who's like super stylish. And it was in the eighties. She's wearing it with biker shorts. And I was like, oh my God, that's our new merch. But then the other thing I would love women to know about, because it's absolutely relevant, whether you are a mom or not, we have a series called Totem Talks. And it's once a month, the third Wednesday of every month, we pull together experts on all the things that impact a woman's mind, body, ambition, and relationships. And so 
Next Wednesday's talk is all about money and it's how to make financial empowerment really clear cut and give you tools and tips to help you just really nail your financial picture. And it starts with getting clear on what our money stories are and then working through that to find financial freedom. So we have amazing topics and experts every single month. I feel blessed to have a wonderful network of experts in my cadre and this is my way of sharing them with everybody. So I'd love for, you know, for everybody to come check out our next talk or any of them or once a month. Love that. That's amazing. And I just, I want to thank you, Erin, for the work that you do. It's incredibly powerful. And I've loved the Thanks, honesty and just like the rawness behind what you've shared, especially in the last year, because I think that so many of us are just trying to be okay. And I feel like mm. in your post, like, and it's so funny because so much of our pain is universal and we just don't like register it that way. But even some of the stuff that you've shared that, you know, you've dealt with like mentally this year, it's like, I've dealt with that in my own way that might not have adapted to motherhood. So it's just a powerful reminder that when we share where we're at, we're never going to be alone in it, even if we're navigating it from different vantage points. So I just wanted to thank you for your honesty. It's been very well received in my world for sure. (laughs) Oh, well, thanks, Jenna. Thank you, Ellen. You two are amazing. And so thank you for being wonderful women and supporting other women. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 